and then what what is it that you're hoping for her to get out of the classes is it are you hoping for her to be a ballerina because that most most children that any of us teach are not going to be that and that's not why I think we run ballet schools even though we're training them beautifully should you know this is the juggle I think is and even myself at a preschool level I think I am a serious ballet school because I'm training I'm giving them all the skills that they need to then graduate into you know a big girl ballet school big boy ballet school you could be arguably the most serious (laughs) because it's really important to develop those foundation skills and and foster that love of dance you know, before they yeah. become Yep, teenagers. and this is often the first thing, the first activity that they've ever done, the first time they've been a so student true. with a teacher. And so my job is to ignite a love of being in that room, a love of learning that hopefully is going to last a lifetime. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast for ballerinas, adult ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Georgia Canning, also known as the Balanced Ballerina, and it's my mission to break down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet. Through my own studios and ballet-related businesses, I'm all about providing space and content for people from all walks of life to experience and enjoy the many benefits of ballet. Each month, I'll bring you industry leaders and thought-provoking guests who will hopefully inspire you to lead a more balanced life, full of grace, with a little grit. Hello, BB community. Today's guest is Miss Amanda Falson, the creative director of Wonder Garden Dance in Melbourne, Victoria. Um, I don't actually know if Amanda calls herself a creative director, but I am giving her that title because she is by far one of the most creative women I've ever met, which you'll find out after listening to this episode. Now, Wonder Garden Dance is a holistic preschool ballet program that's designed to plant the seeds of wonderment, mindfulness and love of movement into the hearts of not just the children participating in the classes, but also their families. And I'm telling you right now, the classes match up to this description. In a Wonder Garden dance class, children will find nature-themed classes that celebrate Australian flora and fauna. They'll find beautiful props, musical instruments, and storytelling. But I can't actually get past some of the little ones dressed up as actual gum nuts. It's so cute. You can also find the Wonder Garden Dance teachers sprinkling leaves over the children as they meditate. It just sounds so magic and ideal, doesn't it? As a stepping stone for your little one to enter the dance world. Really and truly, it's just incredible. Now, I first found Amanda's beautiful classes on Instagram and I can't remember who reached out first, but we started a little friendship over the gram. Just studio owner to studio owner dance teacher to dance teacher I think I probably complimented her on something I saw from one of her classes and and just from the get-go I was captivated by just how beautiful her classes look so 
When I was coming to Melbourne, I insisted that we meet in real life and sit down to chat for the podcast. Amanda is the perfect example of how all parts of our journey lead us to the work that we're supposed to be doing. And Amanda goes into great detail, which I really want to thank her for doing, um, about her hardships and triumphs. And basically, she's the epitome of combining all your talents and winding up somewhere you least expected. Now, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to Amanda and I urge everyone to check out Wonder Garden Dance on Instagram or through her website, wondergardendance.com.au. As a parent of a little one, it's a good example of what dance at a preschool level should look like. And as a dance teacher, it's an excellent source of inspiration. I mean, I'm certainly inspired by Amanda and I can't wait to see her business continue to flourish and grow. It's one of those beautiful businesses that truly was built with values at the forefront and Amanda's wholeness and passion for what she does just makes her the most beautiful leader in this field of preschool ballet. Now, I hope you enjoy this episode and if you do, make sure you take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag Amanda and myself or shoot us a private direct message if that's more your style. Your feedback is what keeps the Balanced Ballerinas podcast and community alive. Now here's Amanda. Amanda, before we get into your beautiful holistic approach to preschool ballet and the wonders of Wonder Garden Dance, I would love for you to share your dance journey with the listeners, which is really quite interesting. From being told to never dance again, to having a dream space, it's a pretty crazy story. So could you please share with everybody? Yeah, sure. So I was, I started dancing when I was four. I grew up in the Blue Mountains and I wanted to become a ballerina and I think yeah I used to sleep in my point shoes actually when I was a teenager me too oh, did you ah yes I used to wear them around the house as slippers and <laughs> um I so that was the journey that I thought I was on and then when I was 13 I had some back troubles which was you know it used to ache and I'd had some sharp pains there and um so my parents took me to some back specialists because my brother um, had had spinal surgery quite young. So parents were on high alert with back things and thought, oh, no, it must be the same kind of issue and took me to a lot of um, professionals like surgeons and people like this in the city in Sydney um, who looked at it and basically said, look, if you don't want to end up like him – you should stop dancing because that's obviously exacerbating the problem. That's devastating. Yeah, and and that was my first love. And so I was 13 when I kind of heard that news and I kept dancing for a little while. Um, And then when I was about 16, I had to stop um, because my back was in a lot of pain. But like knowing now what I know, I just hadn't done pilates (laughs) i had no core strength and i had pilates is amazing yes absolutely amazing and um i you know but growing up in the country we'd never heard of it back then and certainly if i was to do a pilates class it would probably had to be that i would go to sydney to do that and whereas these days pilates (laughs) is everywhere (laughs) yeah absolutely and so body conditioning or you know that kind of thing didn't exist really 
um, for us as young dancers. I don't even not in the country, but yeah, I don't even think it existed ten years ago. Really, yeah. I mean, it existed, but it wasn't as prevalent and as important as body conditioning is now. Yes, you might just have done body conditioning because you had an injury maybe back then mm. or, but now we know like everybody needs to be doing not only dancers <laughs> everybody should be doing this um yeah so so I um a- and the the dance studio what I didn't say was that the dance studio that I grew up in um and this is important for when I talk about Wonder Garden it was in the middle of the bushland and so we had we lived on a dirt track and then above the perpendicular or sorry parallel to that there was a um the dance studio and so i used to walk up through the bush to get there and she had my beautiful teacher who i was absolutely in love with had uh this home studio purpose built with um windows all around and french doors that opened out into the bushland just sounds like an absolute dream it was just so beautiful it was like dancing in a tree house and you could smell the eucalyptus and you could you know hear the rain and see the rain and so it was beautiful and i was absolutely in love with my teacher and i just wanted to be like her what was her name (laughs) sharon reed harbour and she had a beautiful studio called ivy house ballet academy and she doesn't teach anymore but um yeah but that was my how I grew up do, doing dance. And then so fast forward, I was 16, I gave up dance. I At the time, people were saying to me, you know, you should go into ballet teaching, you know, that would be really great for you. You can still be in the dance world. And, um, and at the time, I was just like, there is no way I will be a teacher. For me, that felt like failure. Because there's that sense of when people go, oh, those that can't do teach. Yes. Which yes. is so not true. And as a young kind of mm-hmm. headstrong teenage girl, that's what I thought. And yeah. I was just like, well, I'm an artist and I'm a performer and that's what my life will be. I will be... I understand that. I will be a performer. And so I went into the theatre and I ended up finishing my high schooling in a performing arts high school, Newtown Performing Arts High, I went to in Sydney um, in the drama department and then I um, got into Victorian College of the Arts down here in Melbourne. Um, I've sort of been in Melbourne ever since, actually. Yeah. Um, and did drama there and did the did a degree there and absolutely loved it. Met my partner there who's a performer and a playwright um, and an actor. And we... So this is how the dream space came about. Yes. And so it was several years after drama school. Um I'd sort of spent most of my 20s then uh, waitressing and, you know, I, I was looking – I was not looking to tie myself down by any job because I was in auditioning and I was doing theatre and I was doing little bits and pieces on television and I was doing a bit of travel. So and you're like, I've got to be open to it, all possibilities, absolutely, which is really difficult. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have to be able to drop at a, you know, drop of a hat my job and just go and do a voiceover or, mm-hmm. or an audition or whatever it was. And so that was kind of how I was all through my 20s and then late 20s and I'd come back from overseas and I sort of started to think, oh, you know, <laughs> what am I actually doing because – what I'm am I doing? Thirty with my soon, life? <laughs> and I have—I'm still just like hanging about, um, and you know, I had some dear friends who were having babies and things, you know, in my late twenties, and that kind of was a big wake-up call for me. So I thought, well, I think I'm actually maybe ready to teach. So I went back to ballet as a mature-age student, and I got my 
I did my advanced one in Chiquetti and my associate teaching qualifications through the Chiquetti method. And I also did my Pilates teaching diploma in the same two years. I did all those three That's because crazy. I knew I needed to do Pilates and look after my back. Yeah. That's insane. That's yes. a lot to handle in a in that short period of time. Yes. And I was very um, – and I was teaching as well. I was teaching dance. I was teaching Pilates. I was, I was just very much in that world of doing wrap, – wrapped up both of them very mm. much together. Um, very, very physical, um, got very strong and yeah, just knew how now how to manage my back. And it was just all about staying on top of my core strength and my, yeah, stretch strength, the balance with the stretch strength, stretch and strength in the body. And so, um, yeah. And so then, um, right. So the dream space, that's where I was getting to. (laughs) I want to hear all about the dream space. The dream, the dream space in inverted commas. So, no, this is this is an important (laughs) part of the story because it is for any business owner. It's an important story because Mm. it's it taught you so many lessons, and and you wouldn't be where you are today with such a beautiful, amazing preschool dance program and community without it. So absolutely no, that's absolutely explain right. the dream space. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so um, my partner, as I mentioned, um, was a playwright and and a director and an actor, and I was still trying to be an actor at this point, even though I did have now my teaching qualifications. So I was looking for spaces to teach my ballet and teach my Pilates, and he was looking sp- for spaces to do rehearsals and his shows and. Um, and we were like, well, why don't we just get create it, create it, and have a warehouse, and we'll live there, and we'll work there, and people will hire our studio, and we'll run classes, and that'll just be it. And that that was what we did. We did that for six years, and gosh, it sounds like the most amazing thing. It does. And it was amazing, <laughs> and all those things did happen. Um, but we were completely naive. We both wanted to do the fun creative part Mm. none of us knew anything about doing a business and we both didn't want to learn either (laughs) so we were very both very reluctant to learn that side and yeah and we just kind of like sunk lower (laughs) let's feel felt like we were swimming underwater just trying to get to the top for the whole time so it was a lot of money and a lot of effort. So, but first of all, we had, we started off kind of small and we sort of had it under control for the first three years. We had a little um, shop front mm. space with a residence out the back. And so the first three, we called it Little Feet Theatre and it was in Thornbury in Melbourne. And it was right on a street corner and the tram stopped right out the front. And Perfect. we, yeah, so it was beautiful. And we, um, painted it all black in my little black box theatre and hung black curtains and literally held the theatre together with bulldog clips and gaffer tape. Oh my gosh, and it really was a, yeah. a loving project, wasn't it? Yes, and everyone, we just kind of put ourselves out there and went, we're going to have a theatre and people donated things. So people donated seating, people, there was an old theatre in Geelong that donated lighting and like all you know, people donated rostra and pallets and wow. all kinds. Everything was just made 
because that's Love, one one secondhand yeah, donated one thing with the arts it's very under very underfunded however it's full of so many passionate people that are willing to lend a hand so yes yes and we had yeah, people giving costumes and things and we'd also barter with people. They'd go, you know, we've got this. Can we have, you know, a few hours in the space and all of that. And so we did that for three years and it was hard to make ends meet but we were happy and then we had um, our first baby there and actually the week before she was born we got evicted. Like oh. we got the eviction notice. They didn't like kick us out on <laughs> the street. Didn't just pick you up with your newborn baby yeah. and throw you out on the curb. But I remember like sitting on the, you know, my bed with this enormous belly about to give birth any day. And we got the letter in the mail saying you have a month's notice to vacate because oh, they built high rise apartments there. And you would have already been extremely emotional. Oh, absolutely. And just oh, terrified because our only income were the classes that we held at the – so that my ballet and Pilates that was in the space and people hiring the space, that's all we had. There mm. was nothing else. And so we panicked and um, we had a baby and then we were just looking for other spaces. And so in that panic we – um, signed the lease on a much bigger and much more expensive warehouse. <laughs> when you say much bigger. <laughs> Hundred square metres, three. Oh. It was a big, um, just a gutted warehouse. So we mm. then had to put all of the flooring in and it had three enormous spaces. So enough for three full, actually one of them you could have cut in half. So it could have been enough for four full dance studio spaces. Wow. And did you floor, and, uh, did you put in a proper dance floor we for put in. Them? We didn't put in a sprung floor or anything. Yeah. We just put in like wooden floor Which boarding. is still a huge yep. project for anyone who has yep. put together a dance studio. Yep. They know that your floor is a very expensive part of the project. Yeah. So we did that in two of those spaces and yeah. one of them was kind of storage, which we had big plans for that we never um, saw through. And then we actually, there was an office space above that was not, um, it was not livable or yeah. meant to be livable, but we ended up living there for three years and had, oh, a, had wow. our second baby there. <laughs> wow. And so there was you lived no bathroom. in the dance studio. Oh, what did there you do? <laughs> so... For the first eight months, oh my god, this is crazy. For the first eight months, we had this is insane. We had uh, like the baby bath. Yeah, I used to like sit in it and have a bum bath, <gasps> and like just sponge ourselves down. And actually, for the first sort of six months, it was quite hot weather. It was so Gareth, my partner, would like go on the rooftop and shower himself down with a hose. So it was the oh, first eight months. Then we got gosh. a little. Um, shower put in and the toilet was down 20 stairs and across one of the enormous studios so it was like almost 100 meters and I'm to sorry, the toilet but dance studios at night time <laughs> when the lights are off are so scary yes, I yes. can't even imagine living in one and then walking across the dance floor to get to yes, the bathroom my, like, waddling because I was pregnant for a long time like oh my as God. well and I used to have to go to the toilet sometimes like five times yeah. in the night it was like camping basically it was like camping for we had three a camp years <laughs> yeah for three years we had a camp stove upstairs I actually used to like teach evening classes as well so we'd have our food and then I'd go down downstairs I'd smell like stir fry <laughs> oh my gosh so 
Yes, and all the time we were losing money and all the time we were just hoping it was going to work and we kept working harder and working harder. Working hard, ah. but probably because neither of you had that business brain, yes. you weren't working smart. No, that's <laughs> right. And in fact, I don't know how, but we always had people coming in the doors. So yeah. there were always people who, I think because they liked us, they were like, but you know, should go there. But then we yeah. always had people leaving. So it's like for every yeah. student we got, we lost a student and it never grew. Yeah. Because you you were probably very attractive with your vibe that you guys were letting off because you were so passionate and loved your business. But then you just didn't have that business brain to keep the client. To, yeah, yeah, absolutely. To Yeah. So no, no thought on, no long-term thought on retention or, or, or what we were actually trying to build long-term or, yep, or to scale or anything. No, none of that. That all came... later as a result of this failure (laughs) but that's how so many businesses successful businesses are born is through failure and through making the mistakes so that you can start again and build something from scratch with all that hindsight yeah which is how wonder garden dance is here today yeah absolutely um yeah so uh so we now had two little ones um, my youngest Goldie was, um, I think almost seven months when we decided we can't do this anymore. And our oldest Pepper was, she, she just turned three. Pepper, that's such a cute name. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we thought we can't, we can't do this. And also we wanted a backyard for them mm. and a bath. And but they had a dance stuff. studio, Amanda. <laughs> like, what more could they have wanted? What could, more could they have wanted? Yes, Little they, girls would dream for that. <laughs> So we we shut it and there was nothing to sell. It was just a matter of just going, sorry, guys, we're out of here. And so we kind of closed down, moved to a normal little house, you know, where we're still at and so happy oh, <laughs> being wow. in our normal, humble little home um, and kind of licked our wounds. And I went back to teaching for other people, teaching ballet and teaching Pilates and just kind of thinking, what can I do? What can I do? Because I knew, even though it seemed attractive to be working for somebody else, I was really hoping that that might work. Um, the other part of me just is not capable of doing it, Georgia. Like, I have to be my own boss. I just can't do it. Yeah, I completely I'm can really relate. Bad employee. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no, which is why I would not have been good in a ballet company. I'm exactly like you. I I am not the best at being told what to do. And if I can see a better way of doing it, I just want to do it. So yeah. I'm like you. I'm yeah. A- and I think I'd always, like even in my life as an actor, I'd always wanted to direct as well. I had ideas, I had vision. And um, yeah, so that was always a strong part of what I wanted to do. So now having these two little children one was three and one was just sort of learning to walk and I was very interested in their brain development and what they were learning and what they could physically do and um, and how they were physically um, learning all these skills of hopping or jumping or running or balancing and and I was very much um, not forcing it and actually it happened quite quickly that I came to Wonder Garden but it was within within about a year yeah I was very much thinking what can I do with my skills because I'd seen them as separate Pilates is here dancing is here acting is here 
um, all these different things and, and also um, actually I was making them clothing because I'm a big knitter and sewer as well. So I was making yes, them clothing. very creative. And I'd seen all these, I'd had all these different parts and then suddenly one day I was kind of looking at them and going, it could all be one thing. It could all, it actually all comes into a dance studio all of those things you know costume making and and movement and body conditioning is a big big part of it and and teaching preschoolers it's all about storytelling and so all my theatrical background and it just kind of all the penny dropped and and then I started to create Wonder Garden we opened like six months later well it makes so much sense hearing your story because I've been following you in the way that we've connected is from Instagram, as all good connections happen these days. Yeah. And I was watching your preschool classes for the children and how you teach them and how you incorporate ballet into their life through storytelling and through your beautiful costumes and, and that are so beautifully handmade. And and I was watching going, oh, my gosh, this lady just has so many skills, <laughs> all the skills. I wish I was half as talented in all those departments. And and it makes so much sense now, right, from, you know, the fact that you've got all those skills and you've put them to work together. And your initial story about how you first learnt ballet in a beautiful sounds like a beautiful dense cabin in the snowy mountains mm, yes. you know being you know walking through the forest through the through the woods to to ballet every day and how you now incorporate flora and fauna in the Australian you know um, wildlife scene into your classes mm. that now just makes so much sense as to mm. why your classes have that beautiful natural themes and it's holistic um, yeah and I I I thinking that I wanted to teach preschoolers um, I needed to I thought well, that's a saturated market there are so many people who are doing that and who are doing it well and so I would need to do something different a little bit different and also um, we have certainly managed to do that thank you yeah in I, such a good way <laughs> um, and yeah a lot of it was also just me thinking what what do I like <laughs> What do I like? What am I? What kind of dance school would I like my children to go to? What? What? Even though my dance education growing up was beautiful, what? What else would I have liked as a child? And I was a very daydreamy child. In fact, my teacher, who I'm very dear friends with still to this day, she's a wonderful mentor and and deep friend of mine still. She says that I stared out the window for the first whole year of my first dancing training. And which doesn't surprise me at all because I've always been very daydreamy. I was probably Well, like it sounds <laughs> like staring out the windows of your first dance studio would be quite a nice scene to look at. <laughs> yes, well, that's right. Looking out into the wildlife. Yeah. And so I... Yeah, and so I'm, I'm, you know, in my parenting, I'm a very, uh, you know, even though I have two girls and there, there are there are pink things around, I've never promoted the pink princess fairy ballerina kind of thing that where we, you know, we always put, um, you know, trucks and dolls in the house and, you know my girls do like pink but they also like to dress up in black and you know we have always kind of been very open and, and inclusive and sort of allowed them to find their own way and um which is very reflective of wonder garden dance which is very gender neutral yes yes and 
um, I wanted, I very much wanted that. I wanted it to be gender neutral. I wanted it to appeal to both boys and girls. We do still have mostly girls, but it's all of the programming is very much boy friendly. So rather than, you know, dressing up in, in as pink sort of fairies, we will more often be dancing up and dressing as frill neck lizards or sugar gliders or cockatoos or... Um, like in this term, the next theme that we've got is endangered Australian animals coming up for term three. So we're going to be being stick insects and f- flying fruit bats and rock wallabies. And I love know. that so much because it just adds a whole nother layer of education and learning. They're not just learning to dance. They're also learning about Australia, Australian flora and fauna and wildlife. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that's what's become so important to me because uh, it's a very – it's a very mindful ballet school and it's and it's trying to teach children very holistically and uh and i think for us to be happy people we actually really need a strong sense of community and that's one of the values of wonder garden is community and we need to be connected to the natural world and the world around us so like we are so much involved in technology and we are so um, much involved in this fast pace of life and and I think for our brain health we all need to slow down a bit and couldn't agree more yeah and be more mindful so Wonder Garden has a story time at the beginning so you know this term will be learning about endangered Australian animals and you know there's stories about Tassie devils picture books and things and then you know we'll be being Tassie devils or whatever in the class and then at the end we'll so come cute. and sit on the mat yeah, it's beautiful and they love it um And then we come and sit on the mat at the end and there's usually some kind of calming exercise or a breathing exercise. I've seen one where you lay the children down and you were sprinkling like leaves or something on them. leaves, yeah. It was so beautiful. I was like, I was really jealous as a teacher. I was like, why have I not thought to do that? (laughs) It was so beautiful and you were just standing above them sprinkling these little leaves on them and they were just, they were like smiling and they were sort of a bit giggly but they just were calm and it was just beautiful yeah. to watch yeah we're we're bringing in to, to sort of calm them down at the end after mm. all the excitement and the jumping and the running and the galloping and everything oh you don't just hype them up and then send them <laughs> off to their, their <laughs> parents <laughs> i know because it's like that's one of the things as a parent it's actually really not and look there is all of that yeah. running and crazy yeah. behavior as well <laughs> we're talking preschoolers but you know as much as possible i try and take them on a journey you know um engage them into the class take them on a journey there's a story through the class and then at the end to you know we sit down and we calm and we and we take notice of things so we might be blowing bubbles and and they're being asked to just watch the bubbles not to pop the bubbles or you know that's hard as a preschooler yes and so it's just all in the way that you all in the way all in the story you tell them Mm. I'm gonna do the bubble thing and I'm gonna film it and I'll send it to you okay great I'll I'll see how I go I'll I'll let you know whether they could control themselves and not pop them that's a great idea it's really yeah. nice I think my 12 year olds would struggle with that too yes they'd want to pop them. adults would too I think yeah I think I'd probably struggle <laughs> now one thing I really wanted to touch on was when you're asked by someone who calls up and says okay my child would like to start dance classes but are your classes serious ballet mm. there's this real stigma around what a serious ballet class is what are your thoughts around this mm. 
Yes, so I think ballet still does definitely have that stigma and a lot of people, in fact, because it is such a holistic um, school that I run and and such a nature-themed um, school, people will recommend us. So they'll recommend and they say, oh, you know, little Jilly or whatever loves to dance, you should get in touch with Wonder Garden and I will have mums call me and they'll say things like, look, I don't want little Jilly to do <laughs> ballet, um, but she really wants to. Um, and so I've been told that I should call you guys, but I'm worried, like, is it serious ballet? And so we do get this question a lot. And I think I never know quite how to explain that. Yes, I take it seriously, but yes. we're not the Russian ballet school. Like, <laughs> No, exactly. And so there's no body shaming here. There's no, if this is what you think is serious ballet is like, you know, we're going to grab your child's legs and force them into the splits and push them beyond their, you know, physical capacities at this age and demand turnout and demand that they listen and we're going to be shouting and there's none of that. So I assure them that there's none of that. It's very play-based what we do um, because not only children but people learn best when they are happy mm. and, if and you, through play and through play and when there's laughter and they feel they belong so not alienating anybody but we are and actually that's one of the things that I one of my approaches to teaching children which is that I just you know imagine that whatever they're doing if is normal behavior mm. Um, you know, so if they're rolling around or they're crying or they're, you know, having a fight with their friend or they're saying, no, I don't want to do it or they're, you know, licking the mirror or whatever it is, that's normal behaviour. So I always laugh when I see a child <laughs> licking the mirror or the window. Like, what are you doing? I know. <laughs> and it's like, yes, it's it. And so it's up to us to it's up to us as teachers to kind of take control of that situation and to to draw them back in. Um, and I think I've gotten off the track of what you were saying, but you were asking about serious ballet. Yeah. And so I, yeah. And so I, I, I very much reassure them that, yeah, it's not the Russian ballet school. <laughs> um, we are teaching them through play, but yes, we're serious. We're, we're educators. We are serious about their education. And so what, whatever the preoccupations of this age group are, preschoolers are learning you know, they're learning jumping with two feet. They're learning, they're learning how to stand on one leg. They're learning, oh, I can do that on that side and then we can do it on the other side. Oh, and, you know, they're trying to organise their body in the space and, and integrate all of these ideas and learning into their body and how to do it on one side and then the other. And then they're, they're doing sh um, shapes and colours and... Um, you know, in, out and up and down and mm. round and round and they're I learning think, these yeah. concepts and dynamics and, and they're learning it like whether you watched play school or the Wiggles or whether you went into a kindergarten class or whether you came to our ballet class where all of those um, milestones of learning that, those, that the children need to be learning, that's yes. in our classes and so that's how we approach it. So it's, it is serious yeah. education. It's about redefining what serious means in the ballet world. Yes. Because I sort of look at it as 
value for money. So yes, you yes. can pay two and three dollars sometimes to go down to your local community center for a dance class, dance in commas, uh, <laughs> and you're paying for them to run around and do nothing. And whilst let the off child, some energy, <laughs> yes, exactly. That well, yes, that's what you're paying for to let them off, some, let off some energy. But if you want to go to a ballet or a dance school. Yes, we take it seriously as educators that mm. they're going in and they're learning something and they're following structure, And which is my next question. How important do you think a structured ballet class is? I think that's everything. <laughs> I think it's make or break, actually. Yeah. Um, I think that so, – so the way that we do it is – we, we, we have a very heavy structure and the structure stays the same term to term. So you'd, you'd know it was a Wonder Garden class, like there's story time. Then the children, you know, they know that so the children know what's coming next. They pack up the mats and they put them in a pile and then they get their instrument and they stand on the line and the children know what's coming next. So that structure gives them a real sense of safety and a sense of ownership and a sense of confidence. And so... I love that. I love how you put it that that it makes them feel safe. Yes, absolutely. And so they um, they have a chance to feel like it's their it's their class and they know what's coming next and that hit of dopamine and you know that they that they that the human brain gets when it when it knows what's coming next. That's a really um, important thing for us to have that sense of safety and security and especially for preschoolers some of them you know we've got a mums and bubs class but the other ones they're without mum or dad in the space so um, that structure is really important so that they know what's coming next and what to expect if you don't have that kind of structure in a class and you're just kind of oh you know now we've got the scarves and oh why don't we do the marching now and they don't know where they're meant to be or what they're meant to be doing and they don't know what's coming next and it can and create the confidence lacks yes absolutely and we're um, we're like that as people like yeah, we like grown-ups. Exactly. Like, you, you know, you're going to a party and you're like, you know, I don't know who's going to be there or where it is or what everyone's going to be wearing. Don't you feel fearful? Like, you're like, oh, I gosh. Yeah, I completely sure. agree. <laughs> and so they're the same. And the reason I ask is is because I have had, uh, you know, we have a glass window which looks into our studio and so parents can see what we're up to. And sometimes I've had comments that were like, oh, so you do the same thing Thing, the same class all term don't they get bored and my response is always no I feel like the structure and the repetition is really handy to build their confidence and it's also really important so that they can master the skills but now I'm also going to use Amanda that it makes them feel safe yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely and when they're super safe as well they like one of the things that I love is that after, you know, so we, we do exactly what you do. We do the same thing for the whole term um, because like some schools, you know, do something different every week and we, we've decided that we'll do the same thing every term for the whole term so that they get the chance to yeah, have that sense of safety, as you said, feel like they own it and have a chance to master those skills because some of them are going to be able to do it first go and some of them are going to be do it, able to do it by week five and some of them maybe only just by the end of that. And so they're getting a chance to then feel, oh, wow, yes, I can do it now, mum. And the parents can 
get to see as well. Oh, wow, she couldn't jump with two feet together before and now she can. That's amazing. Um, and then they feel that sense of achievement yes. and then they can move on to the next term and yep. and develop a whole new little yep. set of skills, building upon the ones that they've just learned. Absolutely. And we just... Um, you know, a, a good a good teacher, it's kind of like a one-woman show. Like you just keep it interesting. So we'll have like little things on week six or something that we'll bring in like, you know, might be scattering the leaves or just something simple that we can bring in in week six. That just they to mix expect. it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I try to do the same thing. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, I was going to – you're sort of weaving it in and out anyway, but I was going to ask if you had any particular tips and tricks for teaching little ones. I do find there's a few listeners of the podcast that are teachers mm. and I find sometimes with studios they leave the little kids' classes up to your trainee teachers or your student teachers and I personally think – the most experienced teachers in your studio should be taking the little ones because it's such an important area of of growing and developing and making sure that they have the foundations. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think um, put your best most experienced teachers on that age group if they love children <laughs> provided yes, they love yes, children of course you have to genuinely love children um, to be successful with this age group or employ someone who is very experienced and loves children <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> um, and yes and if they if they haven't been around children very much um I would just, or if you find yourself teaching classes of with the little ones and you haven't been around them much, I would just, uh, I would recommend watching a lot of children's television of that, like Play School and The Wiggles and La La's Big Live Band. and That's a really and great idea. Yeah, and just looking at the, you know, the, the smiley, the smiles and the vocal quality and because it's very much um, storytelling and fun, you need to have because children are very honest and especially you know at that age group they're honest and they'll just say mum I don't want to go back and mum will say oh why don't you want to go back because she's boring because she's mean or you know (laughs) and so they'll just hit the nail right on the head so Yeah. yeah I think um and I think with your theatre background, that's yes. probably why you're such a fantastic teacher of the little ones because you would just keep them entertained for days. <laughs> Do you watch things like The Wiggles and, and kind of analyse it in like great detail? Like, oh, that's a good, you know, Well, actually, use my partner and I both have, yeah, we're, we're kind of over it now because we've, we've been parents for a little while now. But at first we were like riveted just going, what on earth? You know, yeah. um, and really kind of taking it apart. And, and being blown away by some of the things, how good they were or how bad they were. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny actually that you recommend watching shows like that, especially for someone, I mean, even myself who doesn't have children, to watch those shows and learn about this, you know, learn from them because a lot of money goes into research and development of those kinds of shows oh, yeah. and how to engage children. So that's actually a really good tip to watch absolutely. and learn. Yep, absolutely. And you'll see that they're all very warm. Mm. They're very, very warm. They smile a lot. Um, they use their voice in so many different ways. And and you'll also see the preoccupations of the age group. Again, the things that they're learning and it's always the same. Shapes, colours, numbers, um, you know, movement so you know gross motor skills and and um yeah and 
and how to how to move their body and like you know round and round and upside down and all of that and it will give you lots of clues and, and the songs as well what to put into your classes um yeah and in terms of tips gosh I just I mean it's funny because even now I you know on the days when I'm like, yep, cool, got this under control, they'll still do something <laughs> that I'm like, whoa, okay, I've got to think on my toes again now. Um, so that's part of the joy of it. Um, but it's yeah, never boring, it, is it? No, never. <laughs> um, you think you've got a little group sorted. And you're yes. like, I've got them nailed, totally under control. And then you have this one lesson where they throw you through a complete loophole and you're like, what is going on? Yes. And I, I usually blame the rain. When it's yes. raining, I feel like kids are a little bit crazier. <laughs> yes, possibly. Well, possibly because mum and dad were like, oh, what are we going to do with them today? How are we going to get them out of the house? So yeah. maybe yeah. maybe it's the first time they've got out today. But, yeah, I just use my voice in different ways. So, you know, if I can't if I can't get them under control of the, you know, they're all running around or one of them started crawling and the rest of them have joined in and gone, right, we're crawling. You oh, know, gosh. sometimes it's hard to penetrate and, you know, as a young teacher, I'd probably be like, uh, uh, okay, Miss Amanda's getting cross, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh, sh- you know, come on, come and stand on the line. Everybody needs to do what you're told or whatever. Um, yeah, probably did all of those things. And now I just know that, yep, that's totally normal behaviour. So if, if it's like the start of the class and I want to engage them, I see it as my job to engage them. So how can I actually just be the most fun person in this room? Well, I'm going to join you. I'm going to start crawling around too. You know, I'm gonna, you know that's going to be rather than coming over the top, I'm going to come under the bottom and, like and engage them with where they're at, at their level today. And so that doesn't mean being a pushover. That just means that that's how I'm going to begin. And then I'm going to change my voice and draw them in. You know, so you are definitely a theatre head, aren't you? <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. I love this. Yes. Or it might be, you know, they're all jumping around and my choices are I can yell at them now to get their attention or my other choices I could go, <gasps> oh, no something terrible's happened <laughs> and they'll be like oh, what's happened Miss Amanda I'm like you have to come in so close I can't oh no I can't tell you it's too frightening they'll go oh, we're not frightened oh, oh yes you'll be so scared I'm scared and <laughs> that is one way to get their attention because they'll be going what is going on yes. Miss Amanda tell me yes and then I don't even know what I'm gonna say yet and it might just be like I've got a splinter in my you know <laughs> and then they'll all crack up laughing and yes or they'll be eating out of the palm <laughs> of your hand for the rest of the lesson <laughs> yeah and so yeah for me it's all like and I'm lucky because I've got my theatre background yeah. so I know how to use my voice to engage people because I was doing that as a storyteller and on stage for many years before I came to teaching um, but often when I'm giving my own teachers notes it will often be vocal yeah it will often be vocal notes yeah, I, I guess that's one thing with our, with our classes, I have um, always an experienced teacher with a student teacher or an assistant teacher. And I'm always, whether it's me or the other experienced teacher, we're trying to get them to develop their teacher voice. Yeah. <laughs> it is quite a skill that you really have to develop and learn and, and, and practice too. Yep, very much. And it, yeah, it just takes time. 
definitely takes time and being willing to learn and just practice and practice and practice. Mm. But yeah, um, if you can invest in a vocal coach as well, that'd be amazing. I definitely would recommend that for teachers, any teachers, any person actually. We all need to... (laughs) There's going to be a time in all of our lives, and this is why dance is so great as well, there's going to be a time in all of our lives when we must speak what's on our mind or we have to stand in front of someone and speak and that just might be you're telling someone that you love them for the first time or you're standing in a a conference room having to give a – whatever it is, you know, like a presentation. (laughs) What those normal people do. I've never stood in a conference room. (laughs) You're like (laughs) – I could see on your face then it was like a conference room. What do I do do in a conference room? Oh, that's right. I give like a presentation of some sort about something that's kind of important. (laughs) That's too funny. No, I completely agree. That's really good advice. It's really good advice. Um, Another topic I wanted to just quickly touch on was when a parent has seen their child perform at a recital or at a parent watching day, and they go, Miss Amanda, look, little Sally's not very good, so we're going to stop ballet. Doesn't it just kill you a little yes. bit inside? Yes. Well, does little Sally love ballet? <laughs> exactly. And nine times out of ten, little Sally does love ballet. Mm. But how do you juggle the expectations of the parents? Mm, and that's really what it is, I think, in that sort of situation. It, it is really about parent expectations. So, yeah, my first question would be, does she love it? You know, and then and then what, what is it that you're hoping for her to get out of the classes? Is it, are you hoping for her to be a ballerina? Um, and because that most most children that any of us teach are not going to be that and that's not why I think we run ballet schools even though we're training them beautifully should you know this is the juggle I think is and even myself at a preschool level I think I am a serious ballet school because I'm training I'm giving them all the skills that they need to then graduate into you know a big girl ballet school big boy ballet school you could be arguably the most serious <laughs> because yeah. it's really important to develop those foundation skills and and foster that love of dance you know before they yeah. become yep teenagers. and this is often the first thing the first activity that they've ever done the first time they've been a so student true. with a teacher and so my job um, is to ignite a love of being in that room, a love of learning that hopefully is going to last a lifetime. And so I, when, I, when I'm programming and making curriculum and when I'm teaching, I'm often imagining, I'm looking at the bigger picture and I'm imagining them when they're 30. Do they love to learn? Do they love, um, do they, are they connecting with nature? That's another part of all of my programming and stuff. It's my favourite part of your programming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because I think that's – I think we all need it. I think our brains need to slow down. We need to get more in touch with with where we are. I think a lot of my life, and I'm sure many people can relate, I, you know, I thought that, you know, to be successful I had to, you know, leave the town where I was and I probably had to go overseas and be well-travelled and I had to be, you know, making a lot of money and I probably had to be in the city or I had to, you know, yep. so many things. I, I was never told that success could be 
being a stay-at-home mum with your children making play-doh from scratch like that that and to me more that's what I aim for these days I just want to be at home with my girls connecting with them in the backyard and making nature craft you know (laughs) that to me is a successful day if I've done if I've done that with my girls and and um seen the world with the same wonder that they do um I think that yeah as grown-ups we I read a quote somewhere the other day that children laugh 300 times a day and and adults laugh 10 to 15 times a day oh that's so sad I know (laughs) so depressing (laughs) but we 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 think we know it all Mm. we think and you know we we're not sort of as open as they are and we need to train ourselves, I think, to, to open up our mind again and to notice, I think, noticing, noticing everything, noticing the light, noticing the leaf falling, noticing the spider making the web, noticing the person sitting at a cafe, you know, making connections, that, that kind of thing to me is what I aim for most days. And and Wonder Garden is is really just trying to create this lifelong love of learning and, and noticing and wonderment so that they can, when they're 30, they can walk, you know, they've had a bad day or whatever and it's technology-driven world. I mean, I can't, we can't imagine what we're sort of trying to prepare the children for in, you know. Oh, I don't want to think about it time. too much. We don't know it's what scary. kind of world it's going to be. Um, but we know there'll be a lot of technology and if it's anything like now, it's going to be a fast-paced environment and they're going, we all need now to take brain breaks and we need to get out of that. And so for me like being in a in a dance studio with music that is so soul enriching and it's it's embodied learning it's it's holistic and it's integrated there's there's um someone said to me that it's got now let's see if i can remember the five things the five most important things dance has so it has community Mm -hmm. it has physical it has cognitive learning it has emotion it's emotional um and so you could say that all of those four things what was that (laughs) physical (laughs) cognitive physical cognitive social social and emotional emotional. sport has all of those sport can be all of those as well Mm -hmm. but the one thing that dance has that the others don't is artistry artistic creative so true so it's got all the five it's the five tiers dance has all of those things that a well-rounded person needs all of that. And so for me, um, it just ticks all of those boxes. And so if, if I can have them fall in love with it from a young age, as you know, all the way through their life and as a grown-up, they can go back to it and have a home there and have a, an outlet and have a, yeah, some know what they need to do to heal themselves. Well, you certainly do create that kind of environment Amanda so seriously like a big congratulations to you because I I just watch I know that I watch from afar through Instagram and through your work but I can tell that you're creating the most beautiful space I just wish that I lived in Melbourne and that I have a child so that I could send them to you (laughs) because that would be my first thing that I would do with them because I just think that your classes are amazing they are so thought out and they are so well structured and I know as a dance teacher, 
I know how hard that is and I know how much work goes into something which seems so simple Mm. but it is simple because so much work has gone behind it yeah and it's funny in our industry it can be a bit frustrating also too when people go oh how cute you teach little kids how to dance and you run around you know with them wearing a tutu for a living and you're like you have no idea Mm, (laughs) it's a lot of work so I just wanted to say like congratulations and hats off to you because it's really phenomenal and I I completely admire the work you do because I can just see so much how how much work goes into that so I want everybody to have a look at your Instagram it's just at Wonder Garden Dance isn't it mm-hmm. yeah yeah just to jump on and and even if you're not in Melbourne have a look at the quality that mm. you are seriously producing it's it's amazing which Thank is why you. I really wanted to meet Thanks, you Georgia. on my trip down to Melbourne seriously you're a big inspiration for me. <laughs> thank you. And you, likewise to you, I watch your school as well. Oh, thank you. Uh, my, my goal is to next year, I've got a lot on my plate this year, but next year one of my big goals is to add a little bit more of the preschool element. So I'll certainly mm. be uh, contacting you oh, yes, when I do. need some help and, um, and uh, yeah, just amp up my preschool uh, structure and way of teaching but before we finish up today you had the most amazing um, post on social media about what to expect as a parent at your child's first recital so can I read it to you yes okay <laughs> it would be weird me reading back to your words but okay it's so good you said what to expect expect tears tantrums overstimulated behavior refusal to participate more clingy than usual, shy children who have never joined in might suddenly steal the show. So true. Usually confident children might curl up and shut down. Meltdowns following a brilliant show, rolling around on the ground, freestyling, laughter, precious beautiful dancing, all the feels, including mum and dad who also might have a cry. (laughs) It is so true. (laughs) And I think the important takeaway from that is that it's all okay as well. Absolutely. Well, um, first of all, it's probably not what people thought they were about to read when they read the title, What to Expect at Your Child's First Dance Show. (laughs) Um, Well, it was a breath of fresh air and it certainly captured my attention. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's – and, you know, often often it does just go beautifully. But I think – that's also about managing parent expectations and and educating them about what what it could be like potentially and and that that as you said that is okay they are preschoolers and we the way that Wonder Garden do it is we have a um, it's like an in-house in, in the studio presentation so in their in their safe environment where they're comfortable where they have classes each week that's where we set up the chairs and you know all the loved ones can come and watch so they're in their familiar environment and not being asked to sort of wait backstage for a million hours or whatever in costume um, and so that works for us but still even then um they can get really nervous and they can act very strangely. Yes. And a lot of the time I've seen parents just miffed, like she wanted to do it this morning and 
and they and I find sometimes they get they get embarrassed like oh I can't I can't believe she just stood there and didn't do anything yes and I try so hard to explain that it's one day it's one hour it's you know however long it goes for and she participates beautifully in class and she just had a little moment and she just felt anxious and that's okay yeah and it's just like you said letting parents know that that's okay and we yeah. don't – we've seen it all. It's normal. <laughs> it's, it's totally normal. normal. It's normal. That's right. And, um, and you know, if and, – and often, you know, the mums or whatever will say, you know, they're, she's the only one who's not doing it like everyone yeah. else is doing it. And I'll say that in this group. <laughs> but in every other group <laughs> there's one just like her, you know, or more. We could put them all together <laughs> and they can just stand there and stare yeah. at everyone. <laughs> yeah, there's always. And then maybe the parents won't feel so bad. <laughs> that's right. And so oh, that's funny. And so to just embrace it and accept it and, you know, it's not a reflection on us as parents, you know, um, and that, you know, they just might not want to do it today in this environment. They don't want to perform, you know, and as adults there are plenty of times that we don't want to perform either, um, but no one's making us <laughs> often do it, but, you know, they might come home, get home that night and then do, do a it show for, for mum and dad there. Yeah. Um, the funniest ones I find are the children that are so shy in class all year. They barely move a muscle and then they get on stage and they just steal the show. You're standing there as their teacher, like showing them what to do. This child is having an absolute party on stage yes. and you're just thinking, <laughs> where did this child come That's from? the best because you it's know that so they're coming good. back next term, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's just so funny that, that some thrive in that environment and some – just need a little bit more coaxing. Yep, yeah. that's right. And some of them who are always, you know, great in the class environment and, you know, they're, they're fine and maybe they're a the bit of a ringleader or whatever and then the show comes and they just absolutely can't do it, won't yeah. do it, refuse, might get into costume and just sit flat on the floor or or might not even get into costume or, you know. And, and it's all And okay. it's just all performance anxiety. Yep. And, um, yeah, and... Yep, mummins and dads crying <laughs> just at how beautiful it is, Yeah, how moved they are. Or maybe like I have actually had some parents close to tears because their child won't do it, you know, and I think they're just so frustrated and so wanted to see yeah. that show, you know. Um, but, yeah, I always just try and let them know that it's fine and it's okay and maybe she'll do it next time or I keep saying she because we have mostly girls but, but of course both boys and I girls. do the same thing yeah I'm always referring to little Sally I always use the word Sally yes. because I don't have a student <laughs> called Sally so it's a safe one to use yeah but um but yeah so Amanda what is your best tip for leading a balanced life I would love to know because you just seem so calm and Calm and collected and... <sighs> yeah. Oh, look, this... Well, um, this it's been a journey. <laughs> it is you a journey. You just shot me a look then, like... <laughs> like, I may look calm and collected, but you have no idea, Georgia. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I am... Um, gosh, I'm, I'm getting much better as I get older and as I get further into my parenting journey because, to be perfectly honest, when I became a parent... 
I felt like I completely unraveled and I just didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. And so my oldest is six years. She's just turned six now. And so it's been a six year journey of um, really kind of discovering my identity or not yeah and and stripping away the layers to see what was underneath all the time Mm. because I think I wanted to be a dancer and then as I said as a headstrong teenager I was determined to be a performer and then I identified by you know the last show I did and I was going to be famous and then I had a theater and then I had a business and then you know and I've kind of always been striving 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 and for me nowadays like I said before I like I strive to like make play-doh in the kitchen with my kids (laughs) to me nowadays um, balance is about self-care and it's actually about stepping out of that manic fast-paced achievement because I don't and I think many dancers we don't lack motivation mm, and definitely and discipline we've learned that from our beautiful dance training we ha- we have drive but often what we don't have and what we need to practice and myself included is self-compassion and creating space for ourselves and allowing ourselves to uh to enjoy the other things in life that are not related to this are not related to performance or teaching or our businesses mm. or your idea of success has shifted yeah absolutely and um and so for me now um it's about for example at eight o'clock at night i try to not look at my phone anymore so i'm off social media and i'm doing other things that i enjoy that are good for my well-being because a lot of people rely on me i have you know, partner, children, staff, business, students, students. families, a lot of people to rely, who, who rely on me. So I need to look after myself and it's not, you know, it's kind of like a buzzword almost self-care, but I, I think... It's so important. It's, it's a buzzword it for everything. a reason. Absolutely. And it's everything. And I think, um, so for me, it is um, being, practicing self-control, like... I really want to check social media, but I'm actually going to leave the phone in the other room and pour myself a bath and drink chamomile tea, or I'm going to write write in my journal. I'm actually not going to check out of my life, and I think a lot of times social media is like check out of my life. Yeah, Let's have a look see at what other people someone are doing. Else's. Yeah, and like hours can go by. Oh, but actually, so for easy. me, yes, so easy is like to have the self discipline to actually connect with my life. In the bath with no distractions. Who am I and am I okay with my thoughts? And can I let them come in and can I let them come out? And, you know, journal and no, it's a really some light yoga stretches. Yeah. And that for me, it's actually connecting with who I am. And that might bring up some stuff like, oh gosh, I've got to tell my partner <laughs> that I'm not happy with this. Or, oh, oh no, I've got to call my sister and I don't want to you know because that's what kind of happens these days when you actually do put a parameter on your social media like no social media after 8 p.m you actually then have to deal with things yes (laughs) in your life as opposed to worrying about everyone else's for me yeah for me that's it though that's a good tip that's a really good tip I'm going to try that Amanda checking in instead of checking out just being mindful of when you are checking out and going is this because there's something else I don't want to be doing so for me, yeah, 
that's just connecting with myself. More yoga. I need to do much more yoga. <laughs> yeah. There's just not enough hours in the day, is there? And getting into nature, <laughs> getting out of the city. Yes. That's a big one for you. It's just such a theme throughout your life and your work. And, and again, I just want everyone to go have a look at your beautiful nature-filled classes Thank on you. your Instagram. Yeah. Speaking of, where can everybody find you? Yeah, so on Instagram at Wonder Garden Dance and on Facebook, Wonder Garden Dance Theatre and yeah and the website's wondergardendance.com.au beautiful like i said even if you're not in melbourne you should have a look because it's just it's very inspiring it's <laughs> very beautiful and i'm going to go blow some bubbles on my students and drop some leaves on them and let you know how it goes yes please do <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time thank Amanda. you so much for having me it's been a pleasure as always i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you feel like you gained some value I would love if you could leave a five-star review on your podcast app or even better, share it with a friend. It keeps a podcast alive and inspires me to keep creating quality content for you because this truly is a labor of love. Anyway, have a beautiful week, ballerinas, and feel free to connect with me on the Balanced Ballerinas Instagram or via our private community group on Facebook. Just search Balanced Ballerinas Community Hit join and I'll be sure to approve you so you can find other like-minded ballerinas, parents of ballerinas and everyone in between.